This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. Think about Lois. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins! Elliott. Dodge the eye of this national championship win. A deep throw by Lawrence. A lot of contact. Justin Ross broke free from it. He's down in the end zone. Touchdown, Clemson. Welcome into episode 124 of Press Pass. I'm your host, Kayla Anderson, alongside my co-host, Joshua Perry. And first and foremost, I want to give my big congratulations to you, Joshua, because you have been nominated for a sports Emmy and you can go into a little bit of the specifics, but there are some really big names in there. I'm not saying that you're not a big name because you are, but I just think this is like well, well um, deserved and I, I'm excited for you. Well, I, I appreciate it. It's um, the sports Emmy category. It's a brand new category actually for emerging talent. Um, and I am just as thankful and fortunate as can be to be a nominee in that category. And you're right. Some of the names that were mentioned there, I'm like, oh my gosh, um, to be in the same conversation with some of those people is awesome. And just for uh, where I'm at and my network as well, it's a big deal um, because yeah. you, you look at some of the other people and they're coming from Fox Sports and ESPN mm-hmm. and NFL Network. And for us with a smaller budget and a smaller footprint um, than some of those other networks, it is a big deal to be on that list and to be considered for that award. So I think it's very validating and I'm, I'm very excited for the award ceremony on June 8th. Yes. And we're wishing you the best of luck, all the listeners and myself included. So excited for you. Um, And again, it's well-deserved because see, you might not be on ESPN or Fox sports, but big 10 is, is a big network, right. And, And does some really great work. And to me, it doesn't really matter who you're working for. Uh, when you clearly catch the eye of people and you see that, okay, you're doing good work up there and then you're rewarded for it by being a nominee. I I just think that that that's the great part because anybody can see you on ESPN and some of these bigger networks. It's the small network sometimes, it's the regional network sometimes where you really find that great talent. Um, You're just not exposed as much as these other people. So I think that's what what's really cool about it. No, and so. I mean, this is my my little bit of exposure as well. And, and um, I'm very fortunate uh, for that. And, and you're right, to your point, like when you're not, uh, and I'll look at some of the other ME categories and I'll keep this short because we're on a, a little bit of a time budget today. But, um, you know, for like best sporting event or, or you know, best yeah. live event or whatever it is, it's typically the bigger events because those get the yep. eyeballs and they have the budget to pull them off. Um, and so I really do realize uh, the amount of work that goes in, not just for myself, but some of the people behind the scenes to be in a position to be nominated for an Emmy. Um, and so it's really exciting, really, really exciting stuff. 
So just another reason for you to tune into this podcast, because clearly Joshua knows what he's talking about and he brings a lot to the table. So just another thing for another reason for you to listen. If you are a first time listener. Absolutely. Uh, (laughs) Let's dive into our first topic of the day. And this is a little bit, it's not like brand new, but we didn't get to talk about it on the last episode because it came out just shortly after, but the NCAA has approved the transfer rule. And so what I mean by that is starting next season. And when I say next season, I mean this upcoming fall, um, major college football and basketball players will be allowed to transfer one time before graduating without being required to sit out a year of competition. That's the biggie right there, right? So you can transfer and you don't have to sit out a full year, um, which in the past, that has been the issue. And I didn't know this, but I guess that this has been a thing for other college sports where they, they didn't have to sit out a year. So for some reason, I don't know why you know college football and basketball was kind of the odd man out but now it looks like everything is going to be on a even playing ground and i know you specifically like this rule yeah and and to your point like it was always weird to me that you could be a field hockey player or a lacrosse player and you could just transfer and you know you don't have to sit out a year uh in the process and so for football and basketball it's definitely a big step and i am 100 glad to see it because again it puts a little bit more power in the players' hands to have more agency over their athletic careers. And specifically with a sport like football, where your shelf life is very short, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're not playing, it's less exposure if you're trying to go to the NFL. Um, And so you want to be in a situation where you can play. On the flip side of that, if you're a, a player who maybe it was a reach that you were going to in Alabama or Notre Dame or in Ohio State, you know that your, sh- your shelf life is short because all you have is college football. If you're not going to be an NFL player, you want to go somewhere where you know that you can play and you don't want to sit mm-hmm. on the bench after having to transfer either. So I think it definitely benefits on uh, both sides of that coin. And then the final thing on this for me, and this is what uh, is kind of the, the overarching bigger idea for me, mm-hmm. is it makes coaches have to be real with players. Yeah. Um, too many times you, you see coaches – kind of maybe lie to get kids on campus. And then you see them kind of lie to get kids there and they will dangle out the threat that, Hey, if you leave here, you're going to have to sit out another year anyway. So you might as well just wait it out. And now it takes that from under them and they have to be very transparent in the recruiting process. They have to be very transparent um, when the kids are on campus and things aren't necessarily going well. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I think it's going to open some of these kids eyes and maybe some of the coaches as well to some of the practices that they've been using in the past. Now, Where the negative comes in, uh, and I'll use Ohio State as this example, they've got a three-man quarterback competition right now, uh, and they've got the top quarterback in the 2021 class committed. It's going to hurt in that regard where you're not going to be able to stockpile great players. You know, quarterbacks, Mm -hmm. there's only one that goes on the field. Um, So whoever is the third person on the list when they come out with the depth chart is probably going to be looking around at other schools. If you're somebody Mm -hmm. who is in – the class directly behind a starter who maybe has two or three more years left on campus, you might think about committing elsewhere where the quarterback lineage is not as crowded. So definitely some consequences, but overall I like the power to be in the player's hands. Yeah. And it's for me, it's not, Oh, it's not giving them too much power in Mm -hmm. terms of, Oh yeah, you can transfer two times. You can, I mean, it's, 
a one-time thing. You don't have to sit out a year. It's I think it's good for both sides, like you said, the coaching side and the player side of things. Uh, it just it's kind of maddening that it took this long. Mm-hmm to figure out. But then again, we're never surprised because it's the NCAA running the show or should I say, well, you know, just not running anything. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, it, that's a good one. And I knew you'd be happy about that. So I was like, we got to touch on that to get Joshua's opinion. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, we're going to move right along now. And there, this is just a little fun subject that I wanted to bring into the podcast today. So, you know, the recent talk, there's been this whole thing about the 15 team European soccer league uh, that is clearly not working out. And it's kind of like a super league and decided to put this together. Um, There's been issues with it clearly, but recently this article came out and I thought it was really interesting. It's a sporting news article and it, it just was like posing the question of what would it be like if there was like a power league in college football? And clearly there has to be some sort of, um, you know, like a, what's the word I'm looking for? Like categories that you have to yeah, a little bit of like check a, off, yeah, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, we're both drawing blanks on the word today. Uh, but um, so they had put some in- Some qualifications. These, qualifications thank you perfect (laughs) it's not that hard but clearly we we do this for a living (laughs) i know right and we're like oh what's that word we're thinking about oh yeah um Uh, so the four r's is what they kind of use so revenue relevance rings and recruiting which if you look at all that stuff you could probably put together a pretty good you know power conference so i wanted to ask you what um in terms of let's say top 10 teams would you put into a, like this type of power conference? Yeah. Who, who would be the teams that you would select? All right. So let's kind of go through this conference by conference and pick out some of the teams you'd want to include. So from the yeah. big 10 conference, I'll start in my home conference, obviously Ohio state. Yep. Um, I think you'd want Penn state in there and uh, Michigan from a revenue standpoint, not yep. uh, mm-hmm. relevance rings or recruiting just the revenue for Michigan. Cause yes. it's Michigan right now. When you, <laughs> when you head down South, to the SEC, you'd probably want Alabama, LSU, Georgia, and Florida. Okay. Yeah. I think those would be all great choices. So now we're up to seven. Okay. In the ACC, you would definitely take Clemson. Yep. I'm not sure about any other team in there right now. Um, and if we're talking about yeah. 20, we can definitely expand that. But if we're just making a list of 10, that puts us up to eight. Um, if I'm going out to the Big 12, you would want Texas and Oklahoma. Okay. And that would put us up to 10 right there. And then obviously with the pack, um, it's been a little bit of a rough ride for them. <laughs> but uh, you would definitely want USC because right. you want to pull out the the West Coast eyeballs. And USC is a I brand know. and they still make money. Um, you would want to put Stanford in there, I believe, so you can get some of that, you know, Pacific Northwest-ish, Northern sure. California, Oregon, you throw in there. 
UCLA we'd have a conversation about. Okay. So I like the way you're going with this in terms of your selections. I'm going to read to you the article, the the selections they made, because I have a couple of problems with it. Okay. Okay. So I like no your problems. Right? No, no, I always have problems, whatever. <laughs> At least I'm honest about it. Um, so no surprise, they've got like Alabama, Ohio State, LSU, Clemson, Georgia, Oklahoma. I don't know mm. if you mentioned Oklahoma. I did. Okay. Did you mention Notre Dame? No, Notre Dame is one I would throw in there as well. I forgot to mention yep. them. Notre Dame, and then I know you're going to love this one, Texas. Yeah, Texas is in there okay. for sure. Because it's a brand. Yep. Um, Florida, Michigan, yep. which you said. Florida State. Did not say that one, but that is a brand. They're just yep. they're down. Auburn. Okay. Um, Miami. Sure. Miami's – I should have said Miami. Yep. And that we forget sometimes just because of the relevance of the program yeah. right now. Yep. You know, you it's hard to – to kind of like remember these programs. There's so many of them that have been down. Um, Penn State, USC. Okay, yep. so that's that's the list, right? Yep. But then, so... I feel like Goldie, Auburn's a little bit of the odd one out in that list, though. Yeah, I do too. And, and also considering the fact that the only Pac-12 school mentioned in there is USC. And I do feel like as much as I dislike Oregon, just because I just dislike Oregon, I feel like they have a good case of being in the mix. And I know that this is based on those four R's. So maybe that's why. Um, And then this is their first five out. So Mm -hmm. give me some of your thoughts on this. So first five out, Boise State. Mm. Yeah, questionable. Wisconsin. I'll give you that. Nebraska. I'll give you that. They Whether they're relevant or not, they do numbers. They have a big fan base. Which is crazy because they haven't won much lately. Yep. Appalachian State. That's a name. It's a name. Okay. It's, it's intriguing to people. Okay. And, and it's then, because of Michigan's lack of relevance. That's <laughs> <laughs> we still talk about that to this day, right? Uh, that was and 2007. Then, that is nuts. Nuts. That, and it just it does seem like it was yesterday. I mean, it yeah. doesn't seem that long ago. And then this last one, Tennessee. Interesting. So if I, knew I could you have thoughts on this. I, and so Tennessee, like big stadium, they've got a huge following. They're obviously very into football to the point where they will outwardly call for what coach they want to see and what coach they want fired. Sure, um, sure. But could I interest you in a first five out scenario in a UCF or a Cincinnati? Yeah. I, I, mean, I mean, especially as of late. Yeah. And I do think you have to think about that, right? I mean, you're thinking about all these legacy or programs right that have been around forever but not done anything lately so then why would you um push out those programs that have done stuff lately i mean even um, it may not be power programs even from a standpoint of they they felt confident enough in that list of putting app state in there i know right you could and it's not really an argument but cincinnati and uh, ucf over the last 10 to 15 years have had more success as programs yeah. Um, they have made it to New Year's six or BCS games recently, and they're really those programs that are pumping out great coaches. I mean, yeah. Brian Kelly was at Cincinnati, and then we saw uh, Mark D'Antonio was at Cincinnati as well, and it kind of vaulted him up into the yep. next job. We've seen what UCF has done, um, you yep. know, for a guy in my conference at Nebraska, and then, you know, putting my boy Hypel up there at Tennessee. <laughs> So I feel like those are definitely programs that if we're having a conversation about a uh, super conference, a mega conference, or whatever you want to call it, like it'd be really compelling to put those two schools in there. 
could this ever work? This is just something we did for fun, but could you ever see something like this working? Do you think we're going to get to the point where they're going to want to change so much in college football that, that it could come to something like this? Yeah. I mean, if it makes dollars, it makes sense. Right. And Mm -hmm. and these people like to gatekeep the money and we've already seen a little bit of an evolution with this power five, non-power five delineation. And I think where this comes into play is some of the power five conferences might now consider leaving some of the traditional schools out that are really lagging in performance and in revenue and all that in favor for some of these schools that um, maybe they aren't the traditional brands or they don't have the history in the conference, but they have the revenue and they have um, the star power. Yeah. And when you narrow down the number of teams as well, I think it really gets you to a very competitive place. I think it makes it a lot easier to determine who would be eligible for an expanded playoff. Mm-hmm. Um, all of those things come to mind. Now, will it happen? I don't know, because people in football are also very yeah. traditional. They're yep. stubborn. But if there is a financial case that can be made, it's probably going to be a conversation. Exactly. You could never put it completely out of the picture. That's for sure. That's something that we've learned in terms of athletics in general. Yep. Um, so speaking of your your boy Heifel there in Tennessee, so I don't know if you saw this, but I've, I've been looked, looking. I didn't see it. Uh, okay, so it looks like former Michigan quarterback. We've talked so much about transfers um, out of Michigan and, and how it's become kind of a problem there. And this was a quarterback transfer, Joe um, Milton, who chooses Tennessee. And, uh, you know, he'd been in the portal and clearly, you know, did his research and figured out this is where he wanted to go. And and I'm going to ask you this, but Josh Heupel is definitely a guy who is focused on his offense. I, I believe a high tempo type of offense that he's inserting there at Tennessee. You saw what he did at UCF. Uh, you know a little bit about this guy. Is that a good fit? I don't know, honestly. And, and the yeah. reason I say that is because I, I haven't watched like a ton of UCF and Hypel to know what his offensive system is. Mm-hmm. Um, this is my thought, though, on Joe Milton is uh, now looking it. back. It, it, it's not going to be anything disparaging against him. It's it's going to disparage the school that he transferred from. They ruined quarterbacks. Okay, that's okay. They ruined That's what I know. Like, how are you going to yeah. be a quarterback whisperer, but none of your guys perform? Um, and Joe Milton is a really talented yeah. guy. They were making Cam Newton comparisons before the year started, and I truly believe that he is a good enough player that was ruined by coaching and by culture within a program that he was at. So I'm hoping to see success out of him. I really am. We'll see. So let let me put this on the, the, the docket just real quick before we move on. If Milton goes to Tennessee and I'm just throwing some stuff out here and, and has success, let's say, and ends up being the starter, uh, you see development. Do you really start to look at you know that kind of a project and then look back at Harbaugh and say okay this is clearly like he he they like he's got to go yep because if if there's if this is a prime example of what happens and again I'm just throwing this stuff out here if this happens that this could be something they actually look at though and are like okay there was clearly an issue yeah, no, I think it'd be a direct indictment on Harbaugh, and I think that has to be a part of the evaluation process on him. 
if the quarterback that was supposed to be great and, you know, he's all four-star, five-star, whatever he was, sucked mm-hmm. at Michigan, goes somewhere else and has success, I think that falls directly on Harbaugh. And I think it's a fireable offense at that point, especially with his background. Like if he's a defensive coach and he has these offensive struggles, then yep. maybe you say that he's bad at hiring offensive coaches, but he's an offensive guy. It's no excuse. Yep. Nope, I, I agree with you. So that's why I wanted to, to throw that in there. Okay, so we are clearly counting down to the NFL draft to just a couple weeks away, right? God, a couple weeks away. It's next Saturday. Yeah. It's, next, uh, no, next Thursday through Saturday. Yeah. yeah. So we um, have been selecting, you know, our prospects every week. So did you get one for this week? Of course I did. Okay, um, throw, me, throw it at me. Yeah, I, I went uh, – I'm keeping it Big Ten like I said I would, but I went linebacker because, you know, yep. I love some linebackers. I went with Micah okay. Parsons. Oh, yeah. The, I actually just read uh, read some stuff about him yes. the other day. He's the man. Um, yeah. Linebacker out of Penn State did not play this past year. He had opted out. Uh, mm-hmm. But let me just read you some of his accolades from his time um, at Penn State. He was a Buckus Fitzgerald linebacker of the year in the Big Ten in 2019, Consensus okay. All-American 2019, first team yep. All-Big Ten 2019, Cotton Bowl Defensive MVP 2019. In high school, he was a USA Today All-American, um, American Family Insurance Defensive Player of the Year in high school, uh, mm-hmm. first team freshman All-American in 2018. And he was a guy who didn't even uh, wasn't a full starter his freshman year and probably should have been, um, mm-hmm. And I'll just leave you with this. Um, coming out of high school, six foot three, two thirty five. Uh, he's a swole dude. Still ran like a four four in the forty at his pro day. So it's unofficial time, but he was blazing fast. He's strong as all get out. Uh, he has a nose for the football. He can cover. Smart player. Um, everything that you would want in a modern day linebacker, he gives yeah. you. He can get after the passer. He can line up on the line of scrimmage. You can play him off of the ball. And he'll be an instant day one difference maker okay. on a defense. That's what I was going to ask you. I mean, who would benefit from the, from him the most, do you think? Uh, anybody really like needing a linebacker. And and this is the issue with him. He's, he's in my opinion, like a top 10 talent. Like if I yeah. was ranking players on a big board, he'd be a top 10 player. Sure. Linebackers are not top 10 values in the NFL anymore. Right. You know that best. That was your position. It's just the evolution of the position. He'll be a first round pick, no doubt. Mm -hmm. Um, He will be underdrafted based off of how good of a player he is just by virtue of the devaluation of his position. But anybody who is needing support in the middle of their defense and that's linebacker or somebody who can get after the quarterback a little bit should be interested in him. Yeah, I mean, we were even talking the other day about the the Tennessee Titans and just, I mean, they could go anyway at number 22. And and we were even saying they could possibly even take a linebacker. And and the reasons for that is because there's a couple that um, their contracts are coming up soon and they haven't lived up to their potential. And so, you know, you, you think, could they move on from from them and at that number 22 spot, you know that there, there'll there be some good guys there. So uh, like you said, the linebacker might not go in the top 10, but there's a there's a high chance that a guy like that can go in the first round somewhere. So uh, a good name to keep in mind. I'm going to go, I'll stay with the defense and I'm going to go with a cornerback, Caleb Farley, cornerback mm-hmm. out of Virginia Tech, six foot two, 197, pretty good size. Uh, I mean, I was reading Dane Brugler, who I talked to today. He's a draft analyst for The Athletic. Yeah, Dane's pretty good. Uh, He's phenomenal. I don't know if you've read his Beast booklet in terms of the draft, but my goodness, he said it took like a whole year to write. Yeah. 
it's incredible because he really breaks down the entire draft and, and every single pick that he makes. Um, but it, so I was reading through some of the things about Farley that he liked um, size, speed, reaction skills, um, comfort level, ascend. So he he's just an all around, it, it seems like, you know, top of the line guy that you want size wise and he can he can do everything else, has great physical tools, excuse me. But the the health is a concern with mm-hmm. him, um, which I feel like we say a lot sometimes about, sure. you know, injuries, just they have to look so closely at that nowadays, you know. Um, so I, I guess that you have to, like, look into that if that's the ne- the one negative thing, if he's had a little bit of injury past that, that you have to kind of look past if, if the other tools are there. But um, I, I think he's he's going to go in the first round, everything that I've seen in terms of mock drafts. Ha, have you seen anything about him? Yeah, a little bit. Um, and, and you're right. He projects. And he's a as, little raw, too, because yeah. he's only got two years of experience at cornerback. And that's the deal with some of these guys. But you can coach that up if you've got a really good coaching staff. Um, and to your point, like he's seen as a guy who can be a day one starter type player, a guy who has potential to um, be mm-hmm. a game changer for a team. Um, and again, this is a position that we've talked about before, but the evolution is unique because, you know, he's got the perfect size for what people want in the corner in the NFL. It's six foot two, 200 pounds. I know. Like, you want that guy. Um, and yeah. so I, I think that, you know, wherever he lands, he's going to have the opportunity to become a great player in the NFL. And so just to go back really quickly on, you said, you know, he had started at cornerback just two years. So there's a little lack of experience there, but you said if you're in the right place that that they can work with you on that. And that doesn't seem to be a problem. Um, just in terms of, if you have that natural ability and you have the skill set, it should be something that you can transition into and be that starter. Yeah. I mean, we've seen a number of one year wonders at multiple positions that go into the NFL and they have success and maybe it's not um, starting right away, but they, they take that development curve and they really work with the player who wants to be coachable and yeah. they get them right up to speed. And I, I yeah. think that when you have athletic ability and when you have the intelligence to play the game and recognize and read and react, um, it's just a matter of coaching. And that's what they're put yep. on there to do. Now I want to change directions real quick. Cause we've got just a little bit of time left. So you put on there, uh, yep. Devante Smith I did. skinny, I did. uh, was it six foot? 166 166 and joshua let me add that that he actually brugler said in his article that he actually dropped four pounds since his pro day jeez oh pete's um and that's a lot for anyone in my opinion well yeah especially when you're that slight like 166 is tiny um yeah like (laughs) like tiny first and six foot one yeah and 166 it's interesting so my question to you is, to me, this it, it is a bit of a concern. And yeah. I know other people are like, you can't look at that. you got to look at the talent. Yeah. And how do you pass up somebody that has done what he's done on the field? And I know he was at a program like Alabama. I know that many consider that a pro program in a way. Right. But the thing is, is like if, if he couldn't gain weight at Alabama on a strength program where I feel right. like it's got to be one of the tops in the country, what's the problem here? Don't know. Like, I mean, some guys right? are just hard gainers. I'd still draft them. I, I would. You would um, still. Yeah, and I, I just make sure. The is way better. Way, yeah, and I just make sure his ass was in the weight the room. I, okay. I make sure he was eating. Some guys just, it's, yeah. it, they can't keep weight on. 
Um, but I've, I've watched enough tape on him to know yep. how good of a player he is. And then um, I'll leave on this one. I don't know if you saw this news, but uh, Justin Fields confirmed to multiple teams yep. that yep. he does have epilepsy. And so yep. now that's a concern on a quarterback that's highly scrutinized. I saw some Twitter doctors out there saying that this isn't the first player to have epilepsy. And it is something that you can keep under control with medication right. and people actually do grow out of it. Um, but it is yeah. now something that teams will be able to use to scrutinize them a little bit more. It, it is unbelievable what these young men in terms of, you know, health and every they're picked apart to, mm -hmm. to the core. Right. Yep. And I do look, maybe I side with Justin cause I, I've covered Ohio state and I always am a little bit partial to them and the players there, but, and I didn't cover Justin obviously, but it just, I look at him and he just has been picked apart mm -hmm. and, and I still, I know that most people have him still going in the first round, but I mean, there's all these other quarterbacks they predict to go above him, which I don't agree with. And it's just like, here's just another thing, like you said, that's added to the table, but I look at it in the way that, Oh, he was able to do that right. and, and deal with this and play at the highest stage, the highest level before anybody even knew about this like yeah, exactly to me, i'm applauding him and being like look this is who makes this is what makes you a, a stronger person a fighter somebody who can overcome obstacles isn't that the the tools they want yeah when they bring think. in a quarterback I, I, I don't know just it blows my mind yeah. that they can use things like this against i'm with some you. Of these young guys i mean it was never a question before i don't know why it's a question now it's just something that's public you know he's dealt with it of course. he's he's not missed a game because of it no at Ohio State or Georgia. So, yep. you know, we'll see. Yeah. Did you see that interview with him and Kirk Herbstreit and Eddie? I, I, You know what? I I saw it, but I didn't hear it because I was out somewhere. Yeah. Check it out sometimes. I think it's somewhere available online. But I thought it was a, a cool little interview. I, I listened to the first part specifically with Eddie, just kind of giving him advice in terms of leadership and and just staying true to who you are. I think that was such great advice from Eddie. You don't need to be what all these other people are saying you need to be. He, he clearly, clearly was a winner at Ohio State because he was who he was. And yeah, you always got to take it up a notch when you get to the next level. Sure. But you don't need to listen to what everybody else is saying they, they want you to be. So. Right. That's good advice. Yep. I thought it was Always great. sound coming from Eddie. Right? Man, I, he can do no wrong. Maybe he listened to our podcast. I don't know. I tagged him in it. He's probably a little busy lately. Yeah, so. a little busy right now. <laughs> right? Okay, real quick. Where can they go to find uh, up-and-coming talent? Joshua Perry. He's already talent, but, you know, he's here with, like, some big-time names now. Just trying to do my part in the biz <laughs> at RIP <laughs> underscore JEP. Holler at your boy. Uh, when I'm not getting Emmy nominations, I am speaking to fourth graders uh, and yes. recording podcasts, among other things, and selling homes here in Central Ohio. I'm a busy man, but I love it. See, he does it all, just like Eddie. Uh, he can balance it all. What can this man not do? Uh, well, you I can't buy... do Broadway like like oh, Eddie. That's it. True. <laughs> I mean, you could try. I could try. I don't know if it'd be that good though. <laughs> just not. It might not succeed. <laughs> Um, you can find me at Kayla Anderson TV. I could probably do Broadway. I do sing. I just don't let a lot of people know about it because I'm kind of a humble person, sure. even though I just bragged a little. It's all good, the humble brag. So, you know, humble brag. It's a, you got to do it sometimes. <laughs> but we appreciate you tuning in for this episode of Press Pass. Again, we'll be back next week with our final um, countdown to the draft, and we'll have our final prospects. So look forward to that. Have a great week, guys.